This morning we are continuing a series that we started after Easter Sunday morning. First time here, just a little recap. Um, uh, as we've started this community series, this talking about uh, the value, the importance of uh, one another among God's church. Uh, the Greek word for one another is, is mentioned 100 times in the New Testament. More than pastor or elder or bishop or deacon or overseer is mentioned one another. There were directions for the church to take care of one another. And I saw it on Easter morning. Oh, y'all see? Give Bethany a hand. She's bailing me out. We are in a series on, uh, on community and about the importance of one another, and uh, we've learned over the last two weeks, Adam did a great job kicking off the series and talking about the need for community, that we really do need each other. Last week, we talked about growth in community, and we talked about the importance of spending time together and that we grow through real relationships. That the body of Christ, you see, we, when you give your heart to Christ, you come into relationship with God. And in that, you realize logically that you become in relationship with other people who have given their life to God. Like it's an objective fact, we are a family, the body of Christ. And when I say we, I don't mean the people in this building at New Beginnings. I mean every person of faith in this town, in this state, across the globe. We are one body, even though we don't act like it all the time. We are one body. It's not an activity, uh, fellowship. The word we've been looking at, the Greek word koinonia, it's a fun word y'all learn in Greek at New Beginnings. Um, does it look like Greek to you? I've always wanted to use that joke. Koinonia, and it means community, it's fellowship. It's mentioned several times in the Bible. We talked about Acts 2.42, I believe it is, where it says that after the sermon on the uh, after the, the sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached, the Spirit fell, Holy Spirit, first time filled that place. That, it says they dedicated themselves to the teaching, to prayer, and to fellowship. That Greek word was koinonia. And we find that that's not just an activity, it's a real relationship. Um, but we're going to find this morning that it's not just a relationship, it is a partnership. All right, and there's a little bit of a difference. A version of that Greek word was used in Luke uh, 5, 9 through 10, where he said, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. That's Peter. And so were James and John, the son, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Partners in the fishing business. It was a partnership. It was a koinonia. We also find when Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, he said, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I was listening to, to Francis Chan the other day, and he was talking about, you know, if I was, if I was, if I just read the Bible, I didn't know anything about it, and I just read the Bible in the New Testament. My first gut instinct would not be to go start a, a church or a Sunday morning gathering and get people together. My first instinct would be God has given me a mission to make disciples. 
All right. And he says, I'm reading this, and if I'm reading the New Testament, that's what it would tell me to do. I would feel fired up to go out into the world and make disciples. And we find that this partnership, just like a business partnership, I mean, people don't get in business together for the, the fun of it and the fellowship and eating cookies and drinking coffee, right? You get in business on a mission. And the body of Christ is no different. And that we find that we are a partnership. Let's read these verses. What was the early church like? Let's read Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in 32, but we're going to read through 35. We're going to read four verses. The title of this sermon is A Sharing Community. Because when you're in business, and I'm in business, i got two other partners in one of, one of the businesses Bethany and I are part of. And, you know, I wouldn't think it was real fair if in that business, like, one of them got all the revenue and I just took all the expenses. Right? Would that sound fair? No, you share in all of it. And we find this about the early church. They were sharing this partnership on a mission. They were a sharing community. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Man, that speaks to the church in America. That speaks to our culture in ways that is very uncomfortable. No one claimed that any of their possessions... Now, now listen, the government didn't tell them that none of their possessions were their own. Okay? No one claimed of their own account that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. All right, so here's your pastors telling you, sell your houses and bring it up here. All right, is that what it sounds like? Just lay it down at my, your preacher's feet, and that is not what this is talking about here. All right, we're going to talk about this in depth and what this meant and what this life-changing experience when they met Jesus Christ, how it changed their heart about things. And, and one of the things it changed their heart about was the things they owned. All right, and this is talking about among the community of believers, the church. This is not saying there was nobody in need in Jerusalem. All right, it's saying among this body of believers, they made sure they took care of each other. There's lots of scripture we're going to go to this morning. We're going to spend time in. I want to go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 44 and 45. It said, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Romans 12, 13 uh, says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. There was a time when Bethany and I hadn't been married uh, very long, and we traded a vehicle we had, and we traded it in for 
a, uh, um, I guess at the time, it was probably about a 10-year-old Toyota Sequoia. And uh, we, we hadn't been, um, we hadn't had it long, like, and I was driving down the highway. It had like 100,000 miles on it. Because that was, you know, we were young and couldn't afford one with no miles on it, but we wanted to look cool. <laughs> right? So, I mean, you're looking at it. And it was like the oldest one of that model and the newest one of that model was just a few years. So it still looked kind of new. We looked cool. They didn't know the transmission was falling out of it. And uh, literally, it was the transmission. I was like, I've never had a car do this. Like, you're driving down the road. <laughs> And so uh, my uncle had told me where, he, and I wasn't from Pikeville, I just moved up here, and he had told me where to get it. And so I called him, I was like, hey, I went, I traded for that car they had down there. It's, it's messing up because I'd taken it back to them, and they said it was going to be, I can't remember, a transmission of Sequoia. It wasn't cheap, you know, and we, uh, we did not pay cash for the car. We had payments, like we barely, I mean, we were just getting by. Um, and uh, we, they ended up finding one out of a wreck. But I remember my uncle. I was working at Soundhouse Music. He showed up one day, and, uh, and I came out, and, uh, or he came in the store, and he handed me an envelope, and he said, here, uh, God just put this on my, my heart to do this, and he gave me that envelope, and we talked for a minute, and he left, and I, and I opened it up, and there was eight $100 bills in there. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, like, that was a lot of money to me. It almost paid for the whole thing to get fixed. And I remember that impact of someone uh, who had, you know, they were further along in life that saw somebody that was working hard just had come across a, you know, a bad stretch of luck and helped. It impacted me. Everybody, every one of us has been at some point in life where somebody gave, they shared something they didn't have to share and it made a difference. We like to say, and I think more like in marriage, we say what's mine is mine and what yours is, what's yours is mine. Is that the old saying? There's three principles here, I think. Why would these people do this? Why would they sell their house? Why are they selling stuff and just giving it? And, and so the, there's three principles we find in the New Testament about possessions about material things and we're going to look at those this morning the the first one is that uh, possessions are temporary and when when Jesus gets a hold of your heart and 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 you get to go from thinking about tomorrow and just thinking about next week and, and, and you, you sometimes get stuck in the mindset of wondering, will I have enough paycheck in, you know, to end the month with? Or will I have more bills than I have income? And you can go from that mindset of just thinking every day is just a grind to get by. That you have the promise of eternity. When your mindset begins to shift from worldly to eternal, you begin to see that things are temporary. Possessions, materials, they're temporary. I've seen it. We've got a house that was built in the 60s, 50s. Like, real world. I was sitting on the porch the other day, and, and it was a porch. We added onto it, and it's all wood, and it's nice. And I was sitting there on the porch, and I was looking at it. I was like, this wood, like, there's an expiration date on this porch. At some point, like, it's going to rot. Termites are going to eat it. Uh, you know, the, the carpenter bees are out like mad this year. 
I'm just going to eat this thing and it's going to fall. Like, and if you ever, ever owned a house, you know, how's it work out if you don't touch it for like 10 years? Like it falls apart. And we've got an older house, and we moved several years ago to a newer house, a great house, our dream house. And it had all kinds of stuff that we were constantly having to work and fix, faucets dripping, stuff leaking. Like it's just things fall apart on this side of heaven. I mean, possessions are just temporary. Here's this first, Second Peter 3.10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. I mean, if my house doesn't fall apart because I ignore it, at some point, it's just this whole world is going to be destroyed with fire. Like, I mean, what are we, what are we working what are we stacking up the accounts for what are we building the houses for what are we what are we doing i mean i'm asking for myself i'm reading these scriptures like man this is tough stuff but these things are temporary cars anybody still driving the car you the first car you ever had anybody over 40 still driving the first car you you ever had Anybody? Anybody know where that car is? You think it's still running somewhere? Probably not. I mean, let's just be honest. Unless you got Larry Joe's Corolla, he's not here. He's got a Corolla with like 300,000 miles on it. I mean, he's testing that thing. He's, he's pushing my statement and principle that possessions are temporary <laughs> with the Corolla. You see, but we, uh, we begin to feel the pressure of these things. And I've been there. That we don't feel that they're temporary. We feel that they're status symbols. They feel like we, we feel like we have to have this place or live in this place or have this thing to, to be cool, to fit in, to lead, to, to have, to have a, a reputation, to, to let people know we're not like those other people. And they become status symbols. And you know what we do? We get stuff we can't afford, honestly. We get stuff we can't afford. You know, I love or hate Dave Ramsey... Who loves Dave Ramsey? Three. Now, I'll be honest. Who loves Dave Ramsey? We got more hands going up. Who hates Dave Ramsey? Nobody hates him. He's pretty good. He's pretty popular. Oh, we got a few. We got a few that hate him. He, he, he speaks the scripture that says we become slave to the lender. All right, because we're, we're going to talk about this, this next principle. Because here's what we tend to ask. We don't ask, what can I afford? Y'all... And if any of you own a car lot or work at a car lot, there's no offense to you. But you know the question they ask, right? They say, Don't, how much do you want to pay for a car? They say, what payment do you want? Right? Is that true? Am I lying? What payment do you want? And I got stuck in that one time. I bought a car one time on what payment can you afford? Yeah, I told them that number. Yeah, six years, like 7% interest or whatever. When I finally got to the house, I was like, oh, my God. 
goodness, they got the payment right, but I paid like double for this car what it was worth. By the time I have it paid for, it's not even going to be running. The first truth is that we are called in the body of Christ to have our mind on eternity. Let me tell you, this culture will take your mindset off eternity so fast, the pressure all around us, and we will forget that all these things we're maxed out on are just going to burn up someday. The second principle is possessions are not ours. They're not. Look, Psalm 24, 1 through 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Let's see, I got another verse I want to read from 1 Chronicles 29, 12. It says, Riches and honor come from you, capital Y, you. And you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. It is in his hand. It is his gifts. All good gifts come from where? Above circumstances, situations, hard work. You can earn it. You can make your way. This is America, and hard work is rewarded, and we're called to work in the Bible as hard as we can. But we cannot forget that we could not create ourselves. I mean, can, I mean with what we can't even add an inch of stature to our own height. We can't even add a day to our life that God himself is sovereign and all power and control. And he's given us the, the gifts, the abilities, the things we were born with to do what we do. If we forget that, we will, we will, we will start singing graves in the gardens and we will take all the use out where we sing to God and we say, I, I can turn graves into gardens. All right, that's what we get tempted to think and believe. Well, you say, who owns it? Well, I mean, typically, I mean, basically, if you've signed the deed, you own the, 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 the house. But we just got to remember that God has given us that. He has gifted us that. And all these material things, they can be gone like this. I mean, one bad decision... One, 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 one employee doing something wrong, you know, one accident, one whatever. It can be gone like this. And see, we don't own it, but so many times, uh, man, this is hard. I didn't think this was going to be this hard of a message. I don't think y'all are loving it. I don't love it. I don't love it. I like my stuff. But the... Truth is, we get in a spot sometimes um, that our things own us. And then sometimes we get in a place that, like, like if we went and said, oh, I'm going to be like the, the early church and I'm going to go sell all my stuff. And then we realize that we probably have to pay the bank and the, like by the time we paid it all off, right? What could we give? I'm just speaking from my own life, all right? But God 
owns these things. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And something changed in this early church's heart. Something changed when they realized they weren't just gonna they weren't just gonna give to help somebody else in the church when they realized, wait, I'm part of this body. And that means that's not just their need, that's my need, that's our need. All right? And it went deeper than I'm just going to give to help. The third thing about possessions is uh, they, they reflect our heart. They, and not just the possessions we have, but what we do with them reflects our heart. First John 3.17 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? That's a difficult First, if we have enough to live well and we see a brother or sister in need but show no compassion, how can God's love be in that heart? Um, here's the thing. Sometimes we can see giving. It can become this thing like uh, uh, you may think of a tithe and you're going to give to the church and it's going to be 10%. And, and let me tell you, the, 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 the act of giving that 10% can actually become a bit uh, legalistic. Can, I, can we just pause there for a minute and hear what I just said? Like you can give the 10% because you think that's what you're supposed to give. And it be, begins to feel like uh, a membership or that's my, you know, that's my percentage I pay to be a part of the church. That's this, that's that, that's this. Uh, and, and you feel like you're making God happy just because you're writing that 10%. But... We find that God cares about the heart and not a percentage. And he cares, are, are we bought in to the eternal mission of the partnership? Does that make sense? Not, are you going to do this or are you not? He gives us direction to give. He does. He says, give to one another, give to the church. He says to do that, but just doing that in and of itself is not how we make God happy. It's not how we get to heaven. We put our faith and trust in him, and then we give with a cheerful heart, whatever God puts on our heart, because we are part of this. There's a mission. Lost people need to be reached. There are people in need, and we've got to be a part, and we have to share together in those things. So the possessions and what we do with them are actually a reflection of what is in our heart. I want to, to share just this question as we get ready to close. Uh, this question, are we using everything we have to point others to God and advance his kingdom. Is Jared saying, it's my first time I've ever been here. He just told me to sell my house. Give them all the money. I ain't going back. That's it.
You know, you can use your house right where it sits. You can use your apartment right where it is to advance his kingdom. You can see it as a place for community to break bread, to invite people into, to show hospitality. Are you using everything we have to point others to God and the kingdom? I thought about our church. Since we started, we had this commitment at the beginning. We are going to put 10% into an outreach fund. Everything, unless you all, somebody makes a donation and said, I want this to just go for this. If you just make an offering, a tithe to this church, 10% of that, if you give $100, we take a dollar. I mean $10. <laughs> I did graduate high school, I promise. <laughs> Put $10 into the outreach fund. If you give a dollar, we put a dime. If you give a thousand, we put a thousand. If you give 10,000, whatever. You get what I'm saying. We're going to skip the numbers. And so we say, what do we do with this? And let me tell you, our church, our elder board, has just got these hearts that are, are incredible. All right? So we commit to give 10%. This year, I think we've given almost 20% away in the first quarter. Uh, we've, this church has given $12,000 away in the first quarter, January, February, March, to things outside these four walls. I mean, that is, this, this is incredible. I mean, these are some of the things. Faith Life Market, uh, you know, a Bible. We are putting Jesus and Scripture in the everyday life of visitors to downtown Pike. Well, they walk in, they see scripture, they hear worship music, they, they get loved on. And at the, same play, at the same time, we are hiring you know, second chance employees and doing our best to pour in and mentor into college students. We're hosting college Bible studies. I mean, just an incredible amount of, of Jesus happening two blocks away without our church's name on it anywhere. One person gets the glory there, and that is Jesus. That is God. That's the why that place is there. We've got a battle line boxing gym. It used to be Mayfield's gym. It's over on the bypass. Yes, we rent a boxing gym. And we have an after-school program for at-risk youth where they're learning self-discipline, where they're learning about God, where they're, you know, boxing and, and learning, learning this important message that is in the name of it. Do you remember uh, the story of David and Goliath? You know what David did, what none of the others did? He ran toward the battle line. You know, there's a generation in our community that needs to run toward the battle line. They are up against it. All right? And so we're pouring into them. We're doing love covers. We're doing West Care Jail uh, substance abuse program. We're doing programs at the homeless shelter now with Lisa. Uh, we, we, we give $100 a month to missions in Gulu, Uganda. We're doing Do For One Ministries where any of you can say, I got my heart and my heart. God's put my heart to help this person. You go submit that on our website and we go help that person within budget and reason. Appalachian Pregnancy Care Center, we donated them the first quarter. We hosted their live stream here at the church, helped them raise $40,000 to save lives every year. The Grace Community Kitchen, the Backpack Program, the Christmas for Foster Kids, Coats for Kids, Saturday Kids, a new ministry over on, uh, uh, on, on the bypass. I mean, 
When I started listening, I was like, oh my, and I didn't even list the mix on Wednesday nights where we're feeding 40 and 50 kids, where we are doing our best to share. Like, just God, show us. Show us where you want us. Like, I used to try to plan stuff. I used to make strategic plans, and I used to work plans. And every time you make a plan, it's not big enough. Okay? Like, you put a cap on God. Like, he is the one moving and doing and changing lives. So I ask the question again, are we using everything we have to point others to God and advance his kingdom? There's really three ways in the New Testament of application. You say, well, how, how do I give? How do I share? Because they literally shared. When wrote, Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, he said, thank you for being a partnership. That meant they had invested. They had financially partnered with him uh, to help make that ministry work. It doesn't work without resources. There's three ways. One is you give to your local church, your local ministry. You, you partner in the gospel, sharing the good news. You partner there. Uh, second, they would partner with people in other communities, other places. Now, we w- I would say this is like mission-based nonprofits, okay, that are doing kingdom work. You can give. You can donate there as God puts it. On your heart. You can also donate and support one another directly to one another. You don't have to come to us. You can just, just I'm telling you, if you let God guide your heart, He will show you where the needs are. Second Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 6. I'm going to read a few verses here. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Not New Beginnings, not Jared, not your name, not... They will thank God. I used to preach a sermon that said, be the miracle other people are praying for. Like, that's how God works. It's through his body. They will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Two wonderful 
for words. Let me say this. Six years, June will be six years we've been a church. I have uh, never preached a sermon on giving. I truly believe, I mean, we're here in this place. God has blessed us immensely. And we never asked straight up anybody for anything. God stirred hearts and people gave and we are here. And you're saying, God, he's preaching on giving. There's somebody like that. Easter, we had the biggest crowd we've ever had. I forgot to even mention the offering. I don't care. Let me say, God does not need your gift. He will use it, but he does not need it near as much as you need to give it. All right, the very act of giving, when it says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, you say, well, how do I not be enslaved to money? How do I not get focused and distracted about all material things? Jesus knew, God knew, the early church knew, said, give it away. Just practice. Oh, listen, Bethany and I have been... We have been blessed at times, and when we had nothing, when I was making nothing, and we, we gave. And there's been times in our life seasons we've had, we've, we've had more than we needed. And I remember times that where we, I think where we had started and just always gave. I mean, it was so freeing when you write that check and you say, I'm, yeah, I could do stuff with this that I want to do. But God, this is for the kingdom. The very act of obedience, and I don't care if you leave here and write a check to the Methodist church across the street. The very act of obedience in giving frees your heart. Okay? It frees your heart. Ephesians 4.28 says anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer but must work. Doing something useful with their own hands. Well, why would we work? Paul told the church at Ephesus they need to work that they may have something to share. That word share is a word koinonia about community and family and fellowship and giving and partnership in a mission. You will never outgive God. I promise you that. It's a step of faith. And it's a step of faith he has called us to. God, we thank you for this difficult message, especially in this culture in which we live, where we are told the opposite of this. Where we are told... Uh, uh, a God that, that the most important thing we can do in life is build up an IRA and an inheritance to leave our children of material and, and possessions. And God, we are tempted to work so hard to get to those things that, 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 that we accomplish them, but we lose the kingdom truth to pass on to the next generation, which is of utmost importance. 
God, we are tempted to believe that we've worked hard and we've earned it and we deserve things that are in our driveway, in our bank accounts, in our, in our, in our deed room. And God, we just want to turn our hearts and say thank you right now and just admit that these aren't ours. You have made us stewards of your resources. God, I'm thankful that when you get a hold of our heart and we turn our hearts over to Jesus, that comes out, this community, the greatest expression of community in a changed heart we see in the New Testament is this mind-blowing idea that they counted nothing of their possessions as their own. And they began to care for one another. God, encourage us, strengthen us, guide us, direct us. God, to follow you and advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.